0: And welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things Black History and beyond. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 80 of the History Hotline. My name is Diana Lynn Cook, and I will be your host today, as always. Now, I feel like I've said that about seven times in the last few weeks. Um, Episode 80 has been recorded (laughs) numerous times, but hasn't seen the light of day for a variety of reasons. Um, So here we are. Episode 80, episode 80 that will see the light of day. Um, And it's all about Windrush Day. I'm going to be thinking about, well, what exactly are we celebrating? Because on the 22nd of June, um, 2022, it will be the fifth national celebration of Windrush Day. And 74 years since the Windrush arrived at Tilbury Docks in Essex. And a generation of people um, came out of that ship and ships that followed in the 10, 20, even 30 years on from the Windrush. And as we know, the ship carried people from the Caribbean to the UK to help rebuild Britain after the Second World War. But we're not just thinking about that generation um, because with Windrush there's a legacy. Um, There's a legacy of people that follow and people that were impacted by their migration to Britain. Whilst the Windrush is the kind of name given to this time, There were two ships that arrived before the Windrush in 1947, and those people are also included. And, as I mentioned, this kind of Windrush generation and the people we're thinking about extends to as late as arrivals in the 1970s. As people continue to answer the call for labour, to also meet their families in Britain, and to see what England had to offer, and offer their service. of more than 400 happy Jamaicans. They've come to seek work in Britain and are ready and willing to do any kind of job that will help the motherland along the road to prosperity. They're all full of hope for the future, so let's make them very welcome as they begin their new life over here. The ship was not just made up of happy Jamaicans, as that Pathé News report from 1948 suggests. It was made up of people from all over the Caribbean and across the British Empire from continents like Asia and Africa as well, and Europe. Whilst the narrative around Windrush centres on a male-dominated narrative focusing on ex-servicemen that came in the post-war years to rebuild Britain, the story is not exactly true. As we know, women were on that ship as well, children were on that ship, and people from outside of just Jamaica. While narratives about the Windrush tend to focus on Jamaica because numbers were so large. Um, Now, if you haven't really been plugged into the Matrix for the past five years, you may not know what Windrush Day is, why it's celebrated, why it's a thing, why it's needed. Well, it was first recognised in 2017, as I said, five years ago, and it takes place every year on the 22nd of June to mark the anniversary of the arrival of the Windrush. And I think it shows just how much this ship, this one specific ship, signified um, a start of a very large and significant wave of migration. Windrush Day has been called for since around 2010, and I'm sure prior to this as well. But on paper, the first record I could find in like a newspaper was in 2010. Um, an article was written by Patrick Vernon, who wrote Hundreds Great Black Britons um, alongside others. Um, and the call was made that in time for the 2012 Olympics, there should be a day commemorating the Windrush and the Windrush generation. And interestingly enough, he cites things like Martin Luther King Day in America, um because, you know, it's important that that man is celebrated there and his legacy and what he stood for in a similar ...claim was made for Britain and the Windrush... ...that the day should be commemorated here. And Patrick Vernon said... ...not in 2010 but in years later... ...after the day had been announced... ...and had been, you know... ...it had been decided that it would be nationally recognised. He said... ...after several years of campaigning for a National Windrush Day... ...it is great that the government has finally recognised this... ...on the 70th anniversary. Sadly... One of the positive consequences of the recent Windrush scandal has been a massive media and public education history lesson on the arrival of the Empire Windrush at Tilbury Docks on the 22nd of June 1948 and the subsequent contribution of the Windrush generation to Britain. Patrick Vernon launched a petition in 2013 um, for the commemoration of a Windrush day, and this was then followed by a campaign in 2018 at the height of the Windrush scandal. Windrush Scandal is obviously something we're going to have to talk about today um, in regards to the legacy of this generation um, and the reasons for celebrating this day. And then official backing was given by the government um, and they decided it would be celebrated on the 22nd of June every year. Also supported by a grant um, of, I believe it was around £500,000 to be made available annually to charities and communities to continue to uphold, recognize and honour the legacy and contribution of the Windrush generation and their descendants. Um, and also to celebrate diversity within British history. Um, which is something that definitely needs to be done. And you know, these conversations have been happening long before 2020 and Black Lives Matter um, and in its resurgence in 2020. You know, these conversations have been under the context of Windrush and commemoration. Um, since you know as early as 2010 and it's interesting then how the scandal plays a part in the celebrations and its legacy Um, unfortunately the scandal being such one of trauma and and shame absolute utter shame on the British government but not really because it's all part of their plan anyway Um, but we'll get on to that shortly. Now Windrush J primarily honours a contribution made by um people that arrived in the post-war era from the caribbean and you know this this whole idea of what they've contributed um whether it be in regards to the building of um britain rebuilding of britain after the war um their kind of contribution to different services such as the nhs to transport services teaching um construction work you know you name it they've done it um this idea of of recognizing them solely for their contribution is very flawed because you know it, it puts it puts their output their labor above the their kind of humanity these are people that were invited to come and yes they were invited um, specifically to work but I think focusing only on that contribution their um, economic contribution is problematic um, and I think it just sees black people as like outputs for labor historically um, especially when you think about legacy and histories of slavery um you know there's got to be a point in history where we celebrate black people for more than um their economic output and the labor that they do Um, and I stress that point a lot it's something I think about a lot um in my own research because this idea of like contribution what have you contributed to give to you know give a reason um to recognize you I think is is slightly problematic um however i going to use the word contribution again because this generation of people have done more than just, you know, contribute economically. But socially and culturally, um, in regards to their their movement to, to major cities and, and to form communities, um, especially that were so large in, in numbers in terms of Caribbean people, they became hubs for a variety of elements of Black British culture. And I'm using the term Black British quite hesitantly because it really does group a really big, number of people a large number of people from many nations across several continents and generations as well it's a huge generalization but it fits this context in a sense because um this one's generation you know didn't just come from one country um it was an, a large number of black people from different places um but whether you think about music or, or food or entertainment um you know there has been a significant building of of a of a black british kind of identity in some ways and not everybody will identify with that but it can be said especially when we think about music that's probably the biggest example i have in my mind about that the day is simply to honor that very large wave of migration that occurred to acknowledge our contribution yes um and also I think it should extend its celebrations to think about the abhorrent racism that the majority of these people dealt with. There's only so much you can celebrate when the word and term Windrush kind of is thought about when you think about how much they had to endure at the hands of ordinary British people, the British state, the government, and in systemic levels at systemic levels too, in a wide range. ...of different institutions, whether that be the healthcare system, policing, education... Um, ...you know, you name it, they faced it. Housing, employment. So, this racism... ...racism that continues um to... ...oppress... ...the following generations on from that original winter generation... ...and other black people and brown people in this country... Um, ...that's something that has to be considered... And I think it's very important, whilst it's a celebration, yes. I don't think it's, like, a positive one. I personally think that this time should be used to reckon with British violence at all the different levels it occurs at. Because, you know, there's I don't think there's many people... I, I would love to hear the name of any single person that came of that generation or after that faced not a single ounce of racism. Whether it was over or, you know, covered and hidden and subtle. It existed and it was persistent and it really did alter and shape the lives of those people that arrived. You know, whether they were able to get the job they wanted or the house they wanted or, you know, marry the person they wanted and and have children and live a good life, shall we say, in quote marks. Um, The fact that this persistent racism was still there, whether it was, you know, not even directly meted out to them but it was on tv It was on television shows you know you could see it on the news it was inescapable and I don't know what it would have been like to live in a time where racism was so persistent don't get me wrong things aren't great now but I'm happy I'm here and not there and I think that probably says enough about racism in this country now as I previously mentioned one of the reasons that Windrush Day you know was came to be and it was pushed forward because of the shame of this country in regards to the Windrush scandal. Now, it's crazy when you think about it. People that had indefinite remain to leave in this country were subject to being labelled as illegal immigrants and faced with deportation. Some of them were deported. This story has come back into, into the kind of media because of a report that's been leaked that should be coming out soon um, about this scandal and you know, for me though, it's a personal stories. It's a heartbreak that people went through, the trauma, the stress, the depression, and you know that led to people dying. It led to the collapsing of families. It led to people not being able to access healthcare that they desperately needed. And those stories are what I think need to be pushed to the fore when we think about scandal. 37 years of paying taxes and I got a letter saying that I was a legal immigrant. I am sweating. I haven't stopped from mourning. And I'm still going on. I know it's voluntary. I've been doing this for a long time now, oh, for six years. How can I be illegal? I don't understand that word at all. When I got the letter, I thought, Am I British? What am I? And I couldn't even answer that in my head. They came at the invitation of the British government. They were citizens of British colonies or newly independent Commonwealth countries. Their passports were stamped indefinite leave to remain. But for some who were children then, That was a false promise. If it weren't for that scandal breaking and investigations done by um, The Guardian in initial stages and other journalists and historians, we wouldn't know about this and people would have been deported um, and facing, you know, these insane experiences of having to prove that they're British and they have a right to be here because of the hostile immigration policy that came into play. Now, I've already talked about the history of immigration acts in this country, starting from 1905. But, you know, 1948 is where they become relevant to this generation of people. Um, and acts in 62 and 71 all continue to limit the right of people to live and work um, and stay with indefinite leave in the UK. Now, the scandal itself kind of centres around the hostile environment environment policy. Um, the hostile environment surrounding immigration. And this came in in the 1990s to the 2000s. So this isn't a game of like, okay, it was this government or it was that government. This is something that, you know, has been a long time coming. Um, 1990s, you know, that wasn't yesterday, that wasn't 10 years ago, that was a while ago. Um, And it was this coupled then with um, the destruction of the landing cards of... Many people of that generation that arrived as children, which said they had indefinite leave to remain. Now, in 2012, Theresa May was Home Secretary and this um, hostile policy kind of gets put into law in 2014 and 2016 acts that were passed. And it means that the burden of proof is no longer on the state to prove that you shouldn't be here, but it's on business owners, landlords and the immigrants themselves um, to prove that they should be here. Um, and business owners are forced to kind of put in more rigorous checks, things like having your right to work documents when you apply for a job, um, landlords as well, having to see if you actually have the right to live in this country before renting a property to you, making it very difficult for anyone that doesn't have um, the correct paperwork or allegedly doesn't have the correct paperwork to live. Because, you know, to get a job, to, you need a job to have a house, you need a job to pay your taxes, to kind of suggest you should be here. So if you don't have access to all that because your document documents have been dis- um destroyed, because the British government for whatever reason want to do that, then you're gonna have a hard time. That's exactly what happened. And the lady you heard from was Paulette Wilson, who has since passed away. Um, but she was one of the the stories picked up in the initial stages, as well as a story by Ant. Uh, the sorry, the story of Anthony Bryan, um, who was also faced with deportation and. Um, Sitting in Limbo was a, a BBC drama based on his life and his experiences. He was actually taken to a deportation centre, as was Paulette. And, you know, they were faced with the plane is leaving soon and you will be on it. And their families had to rally around to get lawyers. And, you know, especially back then when there was so little information available, this wasn't public knowledge that this was happening. They were having to kind of fight from their own means, their own pockets and try and get help when they didn't even know what was happening and why it was happening. Um, Public outrage obviously followed um, and other people started to come forward and say, oh, actually, this is happening to me right now as well. Or it's happened to my parent or grandparent. Um, And obviously that led to the scandal becoming clearer in, in kind of the public's awareness and public knowledge. Now, as I've mentioned more recently, this conversation about scandals popped into the headlines again because um, a leaked report, as I said, that should be coming out soon, said that the scandal was caused by thirty years of racist immigration laws in order to reduce the number of non-white people in Britain, which sounds shocking in theory. And when I read this in an article, it was kind of said, said and portrayed as shocking, but it's not actually shocking. When we think about it, you know, if you think about the um, immigration laws historically going all the way back to 1905, every single one of them, bar the 1948 Nationality Act, was there to reduce the number of people entering the country that were not white. So why are we surprised when we think about even today and the types of people that are welcomed with open arms and rightly so into this country from Ukraine and those who are being sent to Rwanda? there's a very 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 clear difference and it's very easy to say oh you know this was an accident you know those those landing cards were not destroyed accidentally nobody can tell me that I do not believe it if you want to believe it that's absolutely fine but I cannot see how somebody um, that works in an office and I believe the office was in Croydon um, had no knowledge that these hundreds of landing cards if not thousands belonged to people that had no other way in in some cases to prove um, their right to be here coupled with this hostile immigration policy like surely if if there was no hostile policy and those were destroyed but it wasn't on you as a burden of proof to prove you shouldn't be here you know it would have been fine but it wasn't I don't see how people did that accidentally and to be honest there are people that came forward in the creation of the Windrush report by Wendy Williams that came out in March 2020, coincidentally timed, just as the COVID pandemic was ravaging our news, um, you know, every day was the death toll, every day was COVID, COVID, COVID. They dropped the report, it was released then and guess what, barely anyone read it, and nobody cared about it because we had other things to focus on. Um, they slipped it under the rug and I think they're going to do exactly the same thing with the report that's coming out soon. Um, actually, they're. I think they're holding it um, and it's not being released um however there have been elements of it that have leaked such as um the fact that it was caused by 30 years of racist immigration laws which we obviously know it's not shocking might be shocking to you if it is your first episode of the history hotline it might be shocking (laughs) but if it's not it shouldn't be um because that is the way immigration has worked in this country for so long um this report that's coming out is said to be more hard-hitting than the Windrush Review that was carried out um, as I said, um 2019 and released 2020 um by Wendy Williams. Um, however, it does link um the outrage where hundreds of people of Caribbean heritage were detained, interrogated, and obviously some were even deported. Um, and you know, it links it to this idea that there was a desire to reduce the number of black and brown skinned people that were put to work and live in the UK. Um it'll be interesting to see how it's received when it comes out, especially as it is it seems to be set to contradict so openly the conclusion of that Saul commission on race and ethnic disparities which came out in April 2021, uh, which said that there is um no no racism in Britain, no institutional racism, um, and it was black people's fault that black people are doing badly that was me obviously paraphrasing it did not say that um but that was the tone there's an episode on that if you want to listen um get go back to about April 2021 um I can't remember what number it is but it's there so that being said you know when I think about the windrush and when I think about my experience of understanding the windrush I don't think I've said before but I learned about it in school um in geography in about year eight or nine Um, And we were doing migration and we learnt about this wave of migration in particular. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. That might have been how my grandparents got to this country. Didn't really know much about it. My grandparents hadn't really ever said about their arrival or anything. um, And I'd never thought to ask them, to be honest. I just thought one day they arrived, you know, um, as it goes. And um, it wasn't until I'd finished my degree that this story was breaking and scandals happening. And I thought, I don't know anything about this history and it's literally my direct family history. And so all that being said, for me, it's not painful per se, but it's it's annoying. It's really annoying that I came to learn about this properly of my own accord because of this scandal, you know? I My introduction in my own kind of adult memory is through being horrified by what I was reading in the news and then doing some historical reading and research about it because at that point I wasn't really studying anything to do with Black Britain. So unfortunately, when I think about Windrush Day, whilst I'll think about and hold in my heart, um, you know, the people that came of that generation that paved the way for us um, as descendants of people of the Windrush generation, you know, I can't think about that without thinking about that scandal because I don't genuinely think that windrush would even be a term we used and knew if it hadn't been for that scandal and then the con- um consequent like media articles historical literature and, and the way that that's all being pushed out and that's come out of it um tv shows documentaries we wouldn't have all that had it not been for that scandal and i just think that's so terrible but it's just so it just speaks perfectly of this country you know when There was a moment in history before all of this had happened, say before in the 90s or early 2000s, where people weren't being directly affected and impacted by their landing cards being destroyed. There wasn't a point where people thought, you know, let's celebrate this generation of people. Of course, within our community there were. But there wasn't a point until this scandal broke that people said, you know, we should celebrate, we should honour their legacy and what they achieved and contributed, if you really want to go there. And that is annoying, frustrating for me. It's become a buzzword. It's been used as an umbrella term to group a very large group of people that came across several decades. Um, But, you know, it also is a term that directly references the violence meted out by the British state in regards to their hostile immigration policy that continues to destroy lives and will continue to do so um, if nothing changes, which seems unlikely because things need to be getting worse um Rwanda I'll leave it there so this Windrush day please do you know please celebrate don't <laughs> don't let me um and my kind of negativity towards the the day the moment the event um bring your celebrations down but I think it, it needs to be a time it's it's pointless if it's not a time of reflection of what this country has the capability, the capacity to do to people that were invited here just because of the colour of their skin. Um, and so, that being said, I will leave you to enjoy your week and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. My apologies again for the lack of episodes over the past two weeks. We are back. Episodes are lined up, ready to go. Well, ready to be recorded um about a wide range of things we're going to be thinking about the commonwealth i think it's commonwealth games and i'm a Brummy, so you know it's it's all i'm seeing around the city so we're definitely going to think about that in upcoming episodes um and you know just getting back to the regular storytelling of events and moments that have gone by thank you so much for listening have a wonderful week goodbye Thank you for listening to the history hotline if you've enjoyed this episode please tell a friend to tell a friend to continue the conversation about black history head over to our social media platforms at the history hotline on instagram and at the history hl on twitter